0: about using advocacy to grow your organization's power and influence. Bethany Snyder, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you today. I'm super excited to be talking about a, you know a topic that's slightly different than what we often discuss on this podcast. We're going to be talking about using advocacy to grow your organization's power and influence. I'm a big believer in social impact work I'm a big believer in various pillars of social impact work and so sometimes we talk about things like social social entrepreneurship which is important um, but advocacy uh, is is one of those pillars that I, I think is often very underutilized. And so I'm really excited to explore this with you more. As we get started, I wanted to share Bethany's bio with everybody. Bethany Snyder is the founder of Snyder Strategies, LLC, a nonprofit advocacy strategist, enthusiast, and optimist. She works with nonprofit organizations to help them realize their people power to pass good policy and strengthen their organization from the ground up. Engaging in the public policy process is becoming increasingly important for the nonprofit sector, and I would argue also for the uh, for-profit sector. From the changes in charitable giving to how critical social programs are funded, nonprofits can't sit out of the public policy arena any longer. With her boundless enthusiasm, Bethany will share with all of you today, how nonprofit organizations can use advocacy to pass good public policy, stop bad policy, and grow your power and influence to ensure your organization is not, not left out of the conversation and can meet your critical mission. I love all of that. Uh, fantastic background, super important work. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context before well, we I'll dive just, on in further?
1: Sure. Thank you so much. Yeah. And definitely, I really frame my um, business in terms of working with nonprofits, because that's my target audience. But these obviously are advocacy strategies that anyone can use. So, Um, but yeah, I've been doing advocacy for the past 20, 25 years. I tried to lose count. Um, And I have been a grassroots advocacy director, a lobbyist, a consultant, and a United States Senate staffer. So as I say, I've been on all sides of the advocacy desk. I'm excited to share that with you.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that is awesome. Fantastic. And Again, we in our personal lives, advocacy I think is important. In corporate life, I think advocacy is important. Certainly in the nonprofit space, NGO space, it's it's super important. Um, so I hope this will resonate with listeners today and give you some some food for thought about how you might be able to get more involved, involve your team in these efforts moving forward. Uh, why don't we start with you just describing for us how you got involved with nonprofit advocacy? Like you said, you you've worked in the advocacy space. Um, how specifically did you end up in the nonprofit advocacy space?
1: You know that's a good question. I you know, I really bro- entered it through my excitement for organizing. I was always, like I say, that cruise director in high school, that was the person who was always you know getting people organized and going places and doing things. And then I just caught the advocacy bug through just, you know, I, I call myself a I was a baby feminist. And I thought, wow, this world is really unjust. What can I do? And I learned about advocacy. Oh, there's policies that make this work, that there are policies present that are, the reason the way our world is, and we can change those policies. And I know that sounds really um, nerdy, but I really learned that and I thought, oh, this is such a great way to help make a difference in the world. You know, I'd like, you know, know, protest and rallies and those public forms of advocacy have a, a place in the world. But I really like that. How do you work from the inside and make those changes? So, I was really drawn to that. yeah.
0: Yeah, and that that kind of a background, I think you know, has lent itself well to the work that you do. Um, you've talked already a little bit about um, why you're pa- so passionate about advocacy work. Um, why do you believe it works? I mean, you you you, you frame yourself as an optimist. Uh, I like to consider myself to be an optimist too, Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist coupled with realism and recognizing just the messiness of the world. You're shaking your head. So I imagine you, you think of yourself the same way, but why, why advocacy? Why does that work? Um, and what would your argument be to anyone who's sitting on the sidelines thinking, ah, what's the point of even trying because the world's just messed up?
1: Right. No, I hear you. It can. It's a really dark time. I think for some of us, it's very cynical. There are not really great role models and things happening for us in state capitals and, at, you know, in Washington, D.C. that make you think I want to jump into this. But I mean, as a believer in democracy, I have to believe that people's voices will be heard, can be heard and can make a difference. If I didn't have that basic belief in America and our ability to reinvent ourselves, I would not be able to wake up in the morning and get out of bed. Um, So I think it's just my sincere belief. I mean, that's where my patriotism lies, is that in the belief that America, um, one of our presidents, President Bill Clinton once said there's nothing wrong with America that can't be changed by what's right with America. And I completely believe that 100%. I'm also part of the LGBTQ community. Um, And I do a lot of work with that community and for my community. And I say, if there's one community that shows you the long marathon, the long arc of justice, it is the LGBTQ community. I grew up in the nineties and it was a dark, dark time for us. Defensive marriage acts, don't ask, don't tell um, constitutional amendments, banning our ability to be with the people that we love and grow families. And now look, I mean, if you can't point to that and say there's inherent optimism in that, and it's all on the backs of LGBTQ people who came out and shared their stories that we have um, realized this, you know, at least marriage equality in you know, in America. And I just, that just keeps me going every day. I can't not see that. And be yeah,
0: innocent. it also illustrates that that's an important an important one where you see the long arc of Mm -hmm. the role of advocacy. It also shows though, why you can't let your foot off the gas, because Mm -hmm. right now, you know, with, with the current political politicization of the Supreme court and some, some rulings that look like they might be coming down the pipeline. Mm -hmm. um, Some of these gains for the LGBT community, for example, could potentially be undone right Absolutely, and so we yeah. we have to continue the advocacy efforts and in this specific example you know that's something that has been long fought long uh, to, to to get those those rights um, there's so many other examples as well though where oh, you know we have to continue to, to make those efforts and the power of institutions mm-hmm. um, cannot be underappreciated we you know collectively we can just accomplish so much more than mm-hmm. we can individually and so whether that's in the nonprofit space or the corporate space we need to find ways to collectively advocate uh, i think i think more and more younger employees want to work for organizations that are vocal who are part of the space of advocacy Um, And so that's a really great opportunity, not only to make a social impact, make a difference in the world, but also, you know, to be seen as a a responsible corporate citizen, um, to attract and retain good talent too.
1: Half of your question was, you know, what would you say to people who just want to sit on the sidelines and not get engaged? I say this is not for everyone. I don't think, but I do think that every single person listening to your podcast right now can think about what is something that's important to my life that I care about, whether that's getting a park built down the street from your house, whether that's improving your um, kids, you know, academic standards, whether that's getting the potholes filled on the street down the street, those are all things that you can improve through advocacy. And I, you know, when I give, I give advocacy trainings all the time, and I call this, this is not my job slide, or this is not, you know. Um, part of the presentation, but this is what I say: like, we cannot let lawmakers off the hook. If they don't hear from you, they're hearing from other people. And again, I'm gonna frame this on LGBTQ advocacy because I do that's what I do for a living. But I say, like, I never want to hear from a lawmaker's voice. I heard any or any issues I care about. I didn't hear from anyone. Okay, that just that's like a dagger to my heart. Like, we cannot let them off the hook, even if you know how they're gonna vote or you think you know how they're gonna vote. The democratic process relies on us sharing our beliefs with our lawmakers.
0: And that's at all levels, right? So, you know, federal level, certainly. um, But even the local level, I I had an exchange. Uh, It was a cordial, you know, uh, respectful, but a passionate exchange with my local mayor here mm-hmm. <laughs> just a couple of weeks ago um, over, you know, something that I feel very strongly about, something I feel like he was being quite dishonest about mm. um, and something that, you know, I, I think um, just needed to be said something that needed to be addressed. Did I change his mind? No. Did you know, but he, he, he feels the pressure, not just for me, yeah. but from a whole bunch of other people who've been doing the same thing. He feels the pressure. He knows that he's being scrutinized. He knows that the spotlight's on him and Absolutely. he's not going to get away with shenanigans. Um, and that matters. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so even if he still has every intention to try to take us down a certain direction, he, he knows that it's not going to be as easy to do it as he maybe thought previously he's not going to be able to just pull the wool over our eyes and just move forward quickly it'll be a long hard slog if he's going to try to do that thing um and so you know that's just one example whether it's your your local your your city council your mayor whether it's your state representatives uh whatever level we're talking about this kind of advocacy is important you need to let your voice be heard Mm -hmm. will you tick people off in the process probably be, you know, because people want to do what they want to do and they, mm-hmm. they don't want to hear from the opposition. Um, but it's, it's always important, uh, for them yeah. to hear those, those plurality of voices.
1: No, absolutely. And I'll say, as I also talk about in a lot of my trainings, the closer you get down locally, I call it like the more concentrated your efforts are like if some, if five people called your local city council member about one issue, they'd be like, Holy crap, something's going on. Like, but I mean, if you call five, you know, your United States Senator and five people call, they got five calls in the time we've been talking right now. Um, but it's just so much more concentrated at the local You it's just so much more opportunity um, to change things. And also in relation to young people, you are absolutely right. The trends that we are seeing is that young people just don't wanna to go to a job, clock in and clock out and go home. They wanna see their work as meaningful. They wanna see their work as part of a larger movement. And I think, and I same with the nonprofit sector and, um, That's what I think is so great about legislative advocacy. And I would actually like challenge some of your listeners that are part of the corporate community, instead of just building houses for Habitat for Humanity, go ask them what their legislative agenda is. Instead of just packing food at that food bank, go and ask them how you can actually address hunger in your community. A lot of those things I call just Band-Aid. I mean, don't get me wrong. We need to meet people's individual needs. Like It's sad that in America we have hungry people. But if we really want to address hunger, it's about changing those policies that are creating these inequities. And that's where I think they can really show, um, put their money where their mouth is, if you will.
0: Yeah. So it's the systems that need to be addressed, right? Otherwise, we're just playing whack-a-mole and putting Band-Aids on major major issues and major problems. Basic needs, do they need to be met? Absolutely. But basic needs are are just that. They're basic Mm -hmm. needs. Um, and that's never going to get at the, the real crux of the problem. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, one of the reasons why we talk about generational issues um, that are just seem to constantly be perpetuated, it's because we're not tackling the systems at play, the systems mm-hmm. of inequality that need to be broken down, um, deconstructed, and often rebuilt in a way that's much more fair and equitable um, to, to everyone involved that's what we need to do. I mean, and that can only happen through advocacy, um, uh, and pressure being put, brought to bear on those who are putting the laws in place, right. For how these Absolutely. systems are, are structured.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I can't, I can't say that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, well, good. So, and we've already, we've already alluded to this a bit, but, uh, the intimidating nature of advocacy, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, people, you know, who are like, I don't want to go out and protest. I don't want to, you know, it, it seems so pointless to call my representative or to write mm-hmm. them. Um, you know, it can be very intimidating. Yeah. What would you say to people, you know, trying to motivate them to get, to get started, to do something, yeah. but also how to be effective in doing it?
1: Yeah. So first of all, I always remind people that you are the boss of your elected officials. You hire them and fire them through elections. Now, sometimes we don't always, the person we're advocating for on the hiring committee doesn't get elected, you know, doesn't get hired, but we still have to work with them. So I always think about that. We pay their salaries through taxes. So you, you are their boss. And if you don't give them direction on which way to go, they're just gonna do their own thing. And we know how that is as a manager with our people, right? We have to give them direction. So first of all, just to reframe it, that's the way system's set up. We are these people's bosses and they wanna hear from us. Um, Second, I will say that I think it's just like a work call. Like I really approach this stuff, although I'm very passionate about it. Um, it's just, we're at work. So like, if you're going to have to make that cold call for work or call that person, or you just call on call work. And then remember the federal level, you're talking to interns. You're talking to people who are between the ages of 20 and 24 or answering the phones. Um, they aren't there to get into a disagreement with you. They are there just to take your um, take your opinion, log it, and get to the next phone call they're not there to have a protracted you know conversation with you, and neither do the other um, levels of government, they really are set up to get their constituents opinions and thoughts and then move on to the next person. Yeah, so I would just say. Um, the easiest way for someone to dip their tone advocacy is just my first thing I tell people to do is look for those organized don't make it hard on yourself, there are. I can guarantee if there's an issue you are passionate about, there's an organization out there that is doing some kind of legislative advocacy about it. I'd be hard pressed for you not to name some kind of issues I'm not passionate about. So go find those orgs. Find those orgs that have the same viewpoint as you, that are working towards the same policy change as you. And they pay people to follow this stuff. There's no need for you to follow bills. There's no need for you to figure out who your lawmakers are. They will do that all for you. So that would be my first thing. Just follow those orgs. And then when they ask, just take action. Send an email to your lawmaker. That's so easy. You know, we send emails every day. Send it, And then the next time, maybe you'll make that phone call. And maybe the next time you'll actually go up to the Capitol. But it's all about just dipping your toe in right now and just sending that email.
0: We look forward to having you join us. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Uh, excellent. And as I, again, as I think about uh, the types of things that I feel passionate about, mm-hmm. Um, I have to pick and choose, you know, I only have so much energy, I only Absolutely. have so much bandwidth. I can't do everything, even though I feel strongly about a lot of things. Um, but certainly, one way to help with that um, is is to not feel like you have to reinvent the wheel. So to sure. your point, yeah. there are other people who also feel passionately. There are other organizations, there are existing nonprofits. Um, I happen to live in like, the nonprofit Mecca of the United States. Like we have more nonprofits per capita mm. in, in my area. Um, oh, we have a lot- Minneapolis, have-
1: might, Minneapolis might want to get an arm you wrestle know, uh, uh. <laughs> you for that title. Yeah, right.
0: well, in the, the problem we have here, we have a lot of really well-meaning people, a lot of do gooders people that mm-hmm. feel strongly about things, but instead of getting involved with existing organizations yeah. that are already doing it and, and scanning the environment and figuring out where they can get plugged in, they just start a new nonprofit. Yeah, I <laughs> know so, that
1: happens. Yeah, if you're yeah so then kind of- you just
0: you'll you'll have like twenty nonprofits all doing the same thing, no. um, all competing for the same resources, yeah. and that's really silly. Um, and so, you know, I say we have more per capita, but they're all like so many of them are so small and well intentioned people, but they don't really know what they're doing. So let's let's focus our efforts in ways that are going to make sense. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to start something from scratch, get plugged into what's already happening and find a way to influence. And then instead of me having to feel like I have this huge heavy lift of having to do everything myself, I'm just one of thousands of people who are already passionate about this issue and I can add my voice. right? And that allows me to do more, have more reach than I would otherwise.
1: No, Absolutely, if you belong to any kind of nonprofit Facebook group or page, this probably comes up daily, if not every other day. On someone who's like, I want to start a new nonprofit, I feel so bad because they're going to get piled on. It's like, Have you looked to see if there's nonprofits in your community? Do it like that, I, it just happens every single day. Um, so yes, absolutely. And I know sometimes that you know is unsatisfying, and people are like, No, I want to start my own thing, but I think. Try, I always say, tried working with another orga first. We're stronger together than we are apart. So absolutely, yeah.
0: And I feel like sometimes when people just decide they want to spin up their own thing, it ends up being more about them and oh, perhaps yeah. their ego, right? Than actually the issue at play because they're not going to be, there's no way that they're going to be as impactful uh, as they could be getting plugged into the network, the existing network and resources. Yeah. Um, so, again, if we feel strongly about an issue, let's not make it about us. Let's make yeah. it about the issue and making a difference, um, a sustainable, measurable social impact. Um, that's, I think, ultimately what we want, really. Hopefully, absolutely. Um, so, so again, you know, let's let's look at what makes sense for us. Let's look at how we can get ourselves tapped in to. <clears throat> the space, you know the issues that we're passionate about that we feel strongly about. Um, and then let's let's look for ways that we can get our organizations involved. Now mm-hmm. organizations <clears throat> and the people in those organizations are not a monolith. So mm-hmm. it's not like we're going to be able to get everyone who works for a lar- large organization to agree on Mm -hmm. complex issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So that can be a little bit challenging to navigate Mm -hmm. um, in a nonprofit space where you have like your very mission driven, um, usually over around, you know, a specific issue or a Mm -hmm. small set of specific issues that might be a little bit easier. But any thoughts on that, how we can lead out in an organization to get involved with organizational advocacy when we have diverse, you know, sets of of ideologies represented?
1: No, absolutely. I think, you know, the world of legislative advocacy is kind of just like any other endeavor when you break it down. It's hiring the people who have the subject matter expertise. So make sure you're talking to other. You know, if you're an organization that wants to do advocacy, make sure you hire some kind of person who's done advocacy. I know that sounds like, why wouldn't you? But you'd be surprised. Um, but um, and then finding out, again, what is going on out there already? Um, are there other organizations that are working on similar a similar bill? Um, And it's really, you know, legislative advocacy is all, I just read this thing that I thought was perfect. Luck equals like preparedness plus opportunity. And that's what legislative advocacy is. Like if the opportunity presents itself, if you are not prepared, you're not going to be able to, you know, leverage it. So for example, there's a whole bunch of ARPA funds. That's the American Rescue Plan money, right, from COVID. Tons of ARPA funds that are going into local communities like yours. Well, some nonprofits are being really, like they were- they're great at being able to like. Okay, we need it. How do we get this money? How do we put it towards a food bank, or how do we put it towards these basic needs that we need to help people who are really suffering due to COVID with housing or employment services? And others are still just scrambling. And it's not that they're not worthy of the money. It's just that they didn't weren't prepared. And so um, it's about how do you make sure that you're ready and prepared um, for that opportunity. So, I mean, when it comes to legislative advocacy, you I mean you're not going to change the you're not going to, one policy typically won't change the, your whole entire thing, but it's about those little wins that build up to make that really big win. So sometimes things might seem really trivial, but once you get that one little thing, then you build a partner with that lawmaker or another org, and then you can continue to scale it and build up until you are, really feel like you're making impactful change for a lot of folks. I So when I worked for United States Senator, I was his healthcare policy outreach liaison. So I worked in his state office, which i um, all members of Congress are right in your state. There's no need to go to DC. I say, they're literally sitting there on the phone waiting for you to call them and invite you to their your facility. Um, but I worked on the Affordable Care Act, which I would say that was monumental. Having done healthcare policy for, I'd only done it for maybe 15, 10 years before that, that was monumental and um, historically changed our healthcare landscape. Um, but that was years in the making. I mean, that the organ, you know, the things that got put into that bill were orgs that had been working for years and years and years on initiatives. Um, and they were just ready for the time that was right to then, you know, get it into the Affordable Care Act and then have become law. So that's a good example.
0: Yeah, yeah, Excellent. Bethany, it has just been a real pleasure. We've just scratched the surface. I know know there's tons, tons tons more we could talk about, but uh, for today, we're going to have to start to wrap up. I wanted to give you a chance, though, before we do that, to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me. My um, firm is called Snyder Strategies, and you can find me at snyderstrategies.me. And you can sign up for my email list. I will share a little, when I say I share little tidbits about advocacy and I also might make you laugh sometimes. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn and on Facebook are the two places you can find um, me and my company where I share things. And I say, I guess the last thing I wanna share with you is um, one of the sayings that I say to myself every day that I wake up is from the anthropologist, anthropologist, Margaret Mead, who said, Um, I'm going to paraphrase because I usually have the saying right in front of me when I say it, but um, there's nothing that a small group of citizens can't do in this world. In fact, um, in fact, it's the only way that change has ever been made. I totally just paraphrase that Margaret Mead is rolling over in her grave. She's so upset with me that I um, slaughtered that. But the whole point is we're small groups of people working together is the way that we make change. And I hope that you will band with other people to do that. Thank you for having me.
0: Well said, Bethany. I encourage listeners to band together. Let's make our voices heard. A wonderful uh, conversation today. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Bethany can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.